0: you're getting into uh to video editing now and making videos so you're so you're going to get Manny Petties now how does it feel
1: um was well, was someone someone commented even though i made sure to cut my nails and file them before the the last video but they now, still yes, were not good enough now they're pretty so I'm, I'm ready to go we're gonna have some some badass videos coming through some uh good tutorials stuff like that
0: are you gonna leave bitcoin to become a hand model one day
1: I'm getting sick of you pressing record <laughs> while we're having pre-episode conversations. You should not have that power. No single man should have that power. I have that power we and need I will multi- exercise it as I see fit. We need a multi-sig record button. <laughs>
0: I want to authorize all records. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. We're only uh, four days since our last drop of Rabbit Hole Recap, but six or five days since the last recording. Um, three days since the drop, five days since the recording.
1: And those are always, the live ones are always more fun than substance, I think. Yes, I would agree. I would
0: agree. Uh, the vibe in, in the crowd is always uh, lively. And actually, we must apologize. Uh, there was no mic in the crowd, so we didn't pick up the questions. So if you listen to uh, the latest RHR before this one, uh, there's some one-sided conversations going on there.
1: Yeah, it was there only our third, our third live, live broadcast. Um, live as in with people present. Um, and it, it should be. We should have many more. And you know, we're just taking notes and learning as we go.
0: Yeah, that was uh, recorded many blocks ago. Right now, we're sitting at block five hundred ninety one thousand two hundred fifty five. Uh, my mempool has two thousand three hundred about uh, transactions in it right now, and the price, according to the trade block XBX index, is ten thousand one hundred twenty three dollars and eighty two cents.
1: Are we ever going below 10,000 again? Who?
0: I don't know, man. No. I'm saying hard no. <laughs> hard no.
1: Prepare the dump. I, <laughs> we're going to be under 10K before the episode <laughs> drops. I'm like the hour it takes we we'll to keep, drop it.
0: We'll keep the chart up. We'll keep you freaks uh, posted.
1: It was under 10K earlier today. Yeah. I thought of you. In the morning I woke up, I ripped a piss, and I stacked some sets.
0: Boss. Yeah. yeah. A nighttime stack, you know. Uh, a late this one was a stack. morning one but oh, a yeah. morning stack you know you can stack it any time in the day but it
1: was still a it was still a piss stack yeah
0: speaking of piss stack and if you're going to do it make sure you're using the cash app this episode of tales from the crypt brought to you by the cash app our favorite app uh i, I don't want to speak for matt it is really my favorite app i use it every day their boost program at least if i'm buying bitcoin that's what i've been using most recently uh you can buy sell uh send and receive Bitcoin on the app. You can send it back 32 addresses straight to Wasabi or Samurai Coinjoy, if you so please. Uh, and then, yeah, back to the boost program, you get a special debit card that's connected to your cash app. If you have cash on it and you have your boost enabled, you can go to merchants like Chick-fil-A, uh, Whole Foods is what I used yesterday, uh, coffee shops. Some people are saying they still had the dollar-off coffee shop uh, uh, boost enabled, and they're still using it. Hang on to it while you can. The boosts do change up, but they're adding new ones as well. DoorDash was added recently. Um, so, yeah.
1: You if get, like, grandfathered in if you keep the boost? Yeah,
0: if you keep it on. If you only want to use one boost and, and, you, and you don't turn it off, I think you, you get to grandfather that, that boost in.
1: The freaks told me, I'm supposed to tell you, don't buy coffee. You have to make your own coffee and stack sats with the change.
0: Well, freaks, that's why the last boost I used was Whole Foods because I have been making my coffee. I think you guys will be happy to know that I have not bought coffee in, in, in six days. Six days since the conference. Very nice, very The nice. conference was only four days ago, so it's been four days. Four days. Marty Math for you. Um, so, yeah, use the code stacking sats. Get that $5. Uh, Square is going to send $5 to Owls LaCrosse. Go download the Cash App today. Then when you're done doing that, go check out uh, Unchained Capital, uh, their two or three multi-sig vault service. Uh, iter- we actually, over the weekend, we met uh, with the Unchained guys in person, and they, they've got like some cool some cool stuff they're working on with the vaults in particular, some cool uh, signature schemes and stuff like that. So, if you are looking for um, somebody to help you with your multi sig solution, Unchained is there to be uh, a signature and a two or three multi sig. You can always have control of your coins using uh, Ledger, Trezor, any combination of the two, um, and move your coins whenever. But if you ever get in a pinch and you need Unchained, to to be that second and two or three multi-sig they are there to help you uh in that pinch on top of that they have their loan services if you ever want to use your bitcoin to get a bitcoin collateralized us dollar loan unchained is letting you do that too so go to www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults that's www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults it's a mouthful go check them out um and we also got a shout-out today uh, from a good friend, Arbdout. Very good friend who's actually going to be uh, be uh, joining us for for our 100th episode coming up in the future. Should we tease that, or should I cut this out?
1: No, definitely. Te- I'm super excited for that episode. Yeah. He's he's a good friend. He's an awesome dude.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped to sit down, and I think you guys are really going to like that episode. Arbdout is somebody with an immense amount of knowledge, one of the most well-read people I've ever Uh, had the pleasure of meeting within Bitcoin and somebody can tie a lot of things together from history to our current context. And he wants me to sing something. Uh, We're both, or I am at least from the Philadelphia area. He knows that and he wants me uh, to sing a Philly chant. It's, we're from Philly, fucking Philly. No one likes us, we don't care. And then it goes from there and it's pretty much like, fuck you, we don't care who you are. Um, You're
1: not going to sing the whole thing, Marty?
0: I don't know the whole thing by heart. I'm a bad Philadelphian, but it's weird from phil I'm pretty sure that's it.
1: Okay, when we get him on, we'll We'll, do we'll sing it chant. in unison,
0: yeah. Um, and I think he's just trying to analogize that to uh, people may hate on Bitcoiners, and it's you can hate us all, all we want. Uh, Jason Kelsey sang that, that chant after the Eagles won the uh, the Super Bowl, after they finally brought home the Lombardi Trophy, uh, after being underdogs throughout the playoffs and, and the season, so... Bitcoiners, uh, akin to that Philadelphia Eagles championship team, the underdogs. And you know what? Hungry dogs run faster.
1: And it's also pretty ironic that uh, that came through a donation, which, uh, due to some recent events, is a little bit of irony. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some shitcoiners out there who think uh, think that uh, we we don't get these shoutouts. They're real people. I can I, I can show the t- transaction ID to you but i would dox myself why the hell would i want to do that and i would don't want to dox the listeners be either ridiculous be ridiculous and some people aren't worth your time matthew you have to come come to grips with that you know there's some crazy people some lunatics out there uh who claim that you're lying about going to an event that you very clearly went to and you're lying so much you go so far to, to fabricate notes from in a journal uh there's some lunatics out there man
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, we already gave him too much airtime. I apologize for bringing it up. I just thought it was ironic that uh, there, there's that there. That was definitely some innuendo in that that donation. I fucking love it. So thanks, thanks Out.
0: Shout out to Out. Go follow him if you're not. He's one of the best followers on Bitcoin Twitter. Criminally underfollowed. He's uh, way smarter than I am. If you're following me, not him, you're you're doing it wrong. Uh, trying to pull back up the list here. Yeah, let's talk about the weekend, the Bitblock Boom concert concert. <laughs> Yeah, Katy perry
1: came and she performed yeah. <laughs> katie perry
0: no she's a shit queen remember when she got her nails done with like monero and it there and all that <laughs>
1: yeah i know that's why she, she was <laughs> on my head i don't know why, that's <laughs> why i thought of her
0: um and the Bitblock boom conference yeah we were there we we did a live app obviously if you listen to the last one you know that by now uh it was a good time it was the second time i've been your first time would you think uh your first time around
1: it was a small conference it was cheap it was accessible um Gary Leland, the guy who runs it, uh, I had met him in San Francisco first for Bitcoin 2019. Um, He's a great dude. It just it was so happy and so inclusive and so nice. And everyone, you know, there was, you know, the more famous Bitcoiners there and just like regular Bitcoiners that no one sees. Please don't use the
0: term famous Bitcoiners. No,
1: I'm just saying, you know, like. Like it was it was very much you know like safe safe was there, right like safe is like he's, he he's wrote the book on this shit <laughs> it's um, true. This is and true. and we're all like mixing together and talking and having great conversations, and then there's all these anons who, who no one really knows, um, but are doing all this good work on Bitcoin and stacking SATs every day and running their nodes, and it was just it was it was just really troubling to see um just like all these so-called respectable people attack us over it um, with like very inflammatory claims when they hadn't even seen like the talk, specifically Bitstein's talk. They hadn't even seen the talk in question yet, um, which is now released for free. We're going to, it's in the, it's in the show notes. Yeah.
0: So for those of you who are unaware of the situation that unfolded on Twitter after Michael Goldstein gave his, his speech on memeing bitcoin to the moon uh which is very, actually a very good talk about like human psychology and, and framing and and the art of argumentation and and uh debate and it was spe- my
1: favorite talk of the day <laughs> I, I i literally tweeted out after the talk i was like this might have been the best bitcoin talk i've ever seen and then i just, i like was compo- completely off guard by it and most people were triggered just off of like pictures of a slide not even and then the transcript got released but they were already triggered at that point yeah
0: but it it shows the lack of critical thinking and lack of due diligence that goes into some of these people's reactions like you had to have listened to the talk and gotten the tone and inflection in context to to understand exactly what he was saying like he was trying to prove his his point I, i i would argue like verbally as well like there's a lot of stuff that connotation that comes into play that does not get uh, translated via transcript or a picture of somebody on a stage in a slide
1: but even with the transcript they like intentionally picked and choose parts like the beginning of his talk he says you know welcome to my ridiculous ted talk he literally says like i'm not telling you to like go out and insult people like you should be doing ethical trolling you should be like educated it should have substance you know like it should actually like Teach people something while you do it Not just, you know, attack people for how They look or how they sound or how they do All this other stuff um, You know, he, he specifically specified The difference between a no-coiner who's someone Who, like, legit attacks us And acts in bad faith And hates Bitcoin versus a pre-coiner Which he literally said, I love them, I love my pre corners," which I gotta kick out of because I also love my pre-coiners We all
0: love our pre-coiners Hey, pre-coiners, we love you, just know it's so no corners we have problems with.
1: And then it's like the hypocrisy of the whole thing is that, you know, the definition of harassment on crypto Twitter seems to be it's only harassment if it's a big corner who's speaking because Bitcoiners corners get the most abuse out of anyone in this space. It's constantly happening. And all the people that wrote seven tweet threads without reading this talk sit there completely fucking silent when Bitcoiners get attacked with ridiculous attacks, like absolutely ridiculous attacks. And they're not substantive attacks at all. You know, they're like calling us fascists. They're They're calling us frauds.
0: yeah. They're completely baseless. And no, but like just if you're trying to be an objective observer of the space and you're just looking uh, at the interactions and you're not interacting yourself and you see one day somebody writes like a seventh thread... Of many multi-tweet threads uh, about anti-bullying and stuff like that, and then literally two days later, somebody very high up within another community's uh, ranks, if you will, the number one
1: company in <laughs> Ethereum, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's goes on one of like the most vitriolic diatribes in the uh, I've seen at least the last f- five years that I've been paying attention. Uh, and crickets, like nothing. It's complete hypocrisy.
1: And then they just said they're completely silent. They just didn't even didn't even bring it up. It's, yeah, I, I just
0: Not that we're, and it's not like we're we're, we're like saying anything's unfair. Or we're like looking for somebody to come to our defense or anything, but it's like, let's yeah, just point out the way it is. Like, yeah, fucked them is right. And uh,
1: no, Bitcoiners came out with tons of support and they're fucking awesome. Like we love Bitcoiners. Yeah. Um, But like like, don't be a fucking hypocrite. You know, like if you want to like grandstand on like ethics and morals, like that's fine. But like, be consistent, consistent. please. Yeah. Like, the, the whole reason for all this saltiness on Twitter right now is because shitcoins price in Bitcoin is just fucking plummeting. Like the the ETH price is and Bitcoin is at like the lowest it's been since like before twenty seventeen. Like, don't cite me on that, but it's like very low. It's like broken all the. Technical, um, Yeah, like the technical whatever. What do they call them? Uh, bo- uh, resistant. Resistant lines and stuff. Yeah. And they always do this. They did this um, when the price was dumping after the ICO. It was no longer Bitcoin 2.0. It was let's all get together. Let's all work together. We're all in this together. This will work. Then the price started pumping during the Dow. And it was all flippening bullshit talk. Now it's now it's Bitcoin 2.0 again. Then the Dow hack happened and the price plummeted and they were like, we're all in this together. Bitcoin and Ethereum don't compete. And now they're fucking. And then the price pumped and they were flippening like motherfuckers. They have watch and all this stuff. And then the second the price comes back down. Now, you know, Bitcoiners are toxic and we should all get get along.
0: Well, yeah, it's, we all get along, and hey, Bitcoin and uh, all other chains are going to be partners going into the future. Yeah, we're
1: all working together. <laughs> <laughs> like Lock- they're competing monies. They're
0: competing monies. But I think that's the one thing Bitcoiners have consistently acknowledged throughout time is that blockchains are war. Like this is a battle. Like you're, you're, and Bitcoin is well positioned to win in our opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people. I think they have phrased it as. I don't really like the term Bitcoin maximalism because, by the way, if you don't realize, like Vitalik created that to sell his ICO, um, and it was kind of cool that like a bunch of Bitcoiners embraced the term to try and give it power, and I like respect that idea, but I, I think it allows them to like kind of control the narrative a little bit. So I don't, I don't love it. Um, but uh, I,
0: I, I don't like it either. But I can pick up where you're, where you're uh, stumbling here, and just say like the whole crux of why uh that dude from consensus came after Udi and I is cuz we cuz again like they the history has shown that depending on where the market is or the price of ETH or bitcoin is really dictates the uh sentiment of the communities and how they're posturing against each other particularly all ethereum postures against bitcoin and like why a lot of people from consensus got pissed off this week is cuz Udi and I were calling out the fact that it is very obvious that like they're trying to whitewash history and say that like the people who built Ethereum weren't pumping ICOs back in the day, but that meetup I went to it was hosted at Betaworks, but it was like there were representatives from Consensus running the meetup and telling uneducated startup founders to, to launch ICOs. Like it was Kay. completely irresponsible.
1: The whole the whole chain prior not only did the chain ICO to begin with, and set the precedent. They prioritized it. They were advisors for all these different companies. Um, like they the internet doesn't forget. There's like yeah. pictures and- They can't whitewash it. It's obvious. It's obvious to everyone who, who looks at it. Um, even I, we have a, like Vitalik admitted on Twitter that he's proud to have legitimized the pre-mine model. So that's tweet stamped in the Bitcoin blockchain forever. Um, but anyway, I remember what I was gonna say. A lot of people describe it as Bitcoin maximalism is descriptive not prescriptive and basically the idea is and and I, I agree with this idea too is that I don't you know these technologies are mostly permissionless especially if it's a if, if it's a fair proof-of-work launch you could do it anonymously anyone can do it anyone can fork if they want to um, no one's trying to go out and stop you from running your ICOs or do all this other stuff but at the end of the day Bitcoin maximalists, uh, you know, I don't really like the term, like like I said before, but at the end of the day, we think that all these things are going to trend to zero in terms of Bitcoin. Like, if if you have another token that is all these chains, they want them to be interoperable among the chains, but if they are, if it's easy to move in and out of the chains, like, why would you hold anything other than the hardest money? That's what you're going to hold. That's what the majority of people are going to hold. So it, it has nothing to do with, like, stopping people from you know, you know, stopping competition in free markets, it's that th- that competition in those free markets will mean that Bitcoin will be the better investment over time.
0: Yeah, even like an example that Ethereum uh enthusiasts have been pointing to this week is like that T B T C where you can use Bitcoin to get ETH to participate in the DeFi or whatever. Like if you play that to its logical conclusion and your your uh options if you do I, I would never do this, but if you if that does become popular and on the Ethereum network, you have ch- choices of collateral between Bitcoin, Ethereum, like this wrap Bitcoin, Ethereum or any other tokens, like you're going to use the strongest collateral, which are going to be Bitcoin. So that could actually that app proliferating on the Ethereum network could basically deny or not or could basically just make it so Ethereum is basically a side chain of Bitcoin, where the value is Bitcoin at the end of the day, and, and that's what's driving uh, sort of the collateral of that network.
1: Yeah, exactly. It'd be like an it'd be a side chain with an unpegged utility token yes. um, that like floats on the free market, and like you'd also see this if we get, um, which would it would be better because it would be have even less trust um, if we get a networks that add lightning network support if we get light swaps, atomic swaps between uh networks. Um and I, I actually think that Bitcoin being the most liquid, the most secure chain, um, with the the best monetary policy, the hardest money, um, it'll be advantageous for all these altcoins and all these other chains to to support it as much as possible. Make it as, as simple and frictionless as possible to go between the two chains. And it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because they need to do it because the other altcoins and the other chains are gonna do it. But once they do it, there's really no reason to hold their token as an investment because you just hold the majority in Bitcoin and then whenever you need to to use some kind of utility or whatever on one of these unpegged side chains,
0: you just convert the most little bit amount in, you know. Yeah, and then that is one possibility. Then you see things like Miniscript, which was just dropped this week by Peter Woola. Do we even have that on the list? To talk we do about? have it on the list. We might as well just jump into it. Yeah, we'll just jump So, Miniscript is. Uh, Peter Willa dropped the compiler this week and the website for it uh, for Bitcoin. I'm pretty sure it's Agnot. Like, you can use Miniscript in other contexts. Or might that might be um, Minisketch. I could be wrong. We'll talk min- Miniscript in the context of Bitcoin. Bitcoin scripts are notoriously very hard to. To deal with um, and mini script is a language that, uh, for for lack for simplicity's sake, makes it easier to interact with Bitcoin script. So you can do more complex things with Bitcoin, particularly wallet developers who want to create conditions to spend. So you can make it it's a lot easier for wallet developers to make uh, again the conditions to spend Bitcoin harder. So you can have like a, a uh, an amount of blocks before you can move. Uh, a coin after initiation and between that time, like similar to vaults, you need to get that signed in a multi sig by somebody else. And just <coughs> admit the the crux of the argument, or not argument, the crux of the topic is this makes it easier to interact with Bitcoin scripts and create the functionality that um, like Ether- Ethereum likes to pump and like a robust scripting, but we're making Bitcoin scripting more robust slowly and shortly over time. And that is so that's what the point I'm trying to make. Like, even though we can use Ethereum as a side chain. It seems like the technologies being built on Bitcoin alone are uh, even becoming sophisticated enough to do similar things.
1: Well, then once you have the unpegged side chains, which are the altcoin chains that allow us to easily switch back and forth, we'll also have the pegged side chains, which have a different security model. Uh, you know, like uh, stuff like Liquid, Liquid right, yeah. where you have a federated model. Um, it's a different security model with different trade-offs, and Bitcoiners will have a bunch of different options for them. I think Miniscript, one of the big things is interoperability across wallets, right? Yes. Because it, like, standardizes a lot of things, makes it a lot easier. Multisig, specifically. Um, I think this is, like, this is actually a good jumping-off point because um, I wanted to touch on uh, Rodolfo and Janine put together... Yes.
0: I heard about this in the event yesterday. It's called a Wallets Recovery Page. And it basically is a, a depository of the different Bitcoin wallets and how they uh, do their derivation paths and, dis- and their descriptors because it's was actually uh, happy I wrote that bent yesterday and that Rodolfo and Janine are working on this <coughs> it's become, because it has become more apparent to me that a lot of people assume that if you create a mnemonic phrase, seed phrase on one wallet, you can just uh, recover that using another software, which is not always the case. Um, especially if something like Electrum is a great example. Like a lot of people will create Electrum wallets and think that <coughs> they can just go recover it on every wallet. But they use a, a weird BIP39 derivation path and it's not as easy.
1: They have different words. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing is even if they use the same <coughs> um, like seed word screen, s- scheme. Like so this is your backup words. Those like 12, 24 words you have. They use different derivation paths. So when you actually put it into the wallet, it will show up as zero coins. And if you don't know what your derivation path is, um, you could have issues. Now, these issues are reduced tremendously if you use one of the main wallets, right? Because you know, like, there'll st- still be support for it down the road when you wake up from your coma. Um, if there's not support, there will at least be a bunch of people who have, like, put, like, tools together to at least, like, recover your funds. Um, But if you're using one of the more like some random mobile wallet or something like there's a very good chance that if that company goes out of business, you might not have the information to recover your seed and and recover your coins. Or if you do, you're going to it's going to be time intensive or you're going to end up paying someone to try and uh, go through that process. And and so that gets even more complicated once we add multisig in the mix, because this is mostly talking about single key um, and multisig is something that everyone should consider and should start using. Um, and, and I think I think MiniScript will help a lot in terms of standardizing that all. So it'll be like the interoperability will be a lot better.
0: Yeah. So again, and I I think this is like very underscored advancement in in wallet technology and and being able to leverage Bitcoin scripts uh, a lot more now that MiniScript is is out there. Like I don't think this is uh, the gravity of this launch in particular is hit hit the market, not saying that it would affect the price at all, but it is going it seems like this would make it a lot easier to, to make more secure wallets and uh, like make security overall, like personal security better because it's just easier to, to make it harder to spend your coins.
1: Absolutely. And I, I would actually, I would push back on your earlier comment that you said, um, it gives us, it'll give us more of the capabilities of Ethereum. And there's a big difference between a robust scripting language and one that's like fragile yes. and vulnerable and it, you know so you gotta it's, it's not gonna let us do offs. it yeah
0: that's thank you for calling me out on that and that yeah. was um, um, yeah I guess what I was trying to say there is that uh, we get a lot of shit for Bitcoin scripting being pretty rudimentary but uh, Miniscript is a tool that proves that it can be leveraged in a, in a more complex way
1: yeah it improves it while still keeping it secure yes, and yes. And whatnot.
0: thank you for keeping me in check Matthew I got you um, it's always important Got to stay in check. But, yeah, back to Rodolfo and Janine's um, site. So if you, yeah, I would just go look at that. Let me pull it up. What is it called?
1: I linked to it, in the. it's going to be linked in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link in the show notes.
0: Um, it's walletsrecovery.org. Great domain name. Very good domain name. Um, and it's not a complete project. They are open sourcing this. They're looking for help more documents so if you're somebody using an obscure wallet that knows uh, their derivation pass inside and out go check the site and please contribute and contribute yeah that's and the beauty of bitcoin
1: and this is a nice one because you don't have to be very technically savvy to contribute for this yes um also this is your first time meeting rodolfo right it was, I, it was we such met a pleasure
0: such a pleasure what a what a kindred spirit
1: Fucking great dude. Absolutely great dude. Um, you know, he's, the, he's uh, the founder of CoinKite, who makes the cold card and the Open Dime, two of our favorite hardware projects here at TFDC. And he was just, we like chilled with him both nights and just had a fucking great time. So many long conversations. And uh, we actually, we recorded one of our conversations and that'll be dropped next early next week. And Janine, it looks like we have her on the schedule to bring her on the pod as well.
0: Yes, we'll be speaking to Janine next month. I'm very much looking forward to that. If you guys don't know who knew G- uh, who knew, uh, who Janine is, uh, she's one of the co-hosts of the Block Digest um, uh, podcast. And she's a very good investigative journalist when it comes to uh, like network security. And, and, and privacy. Computer- Huge privacy. on privacy. Yeah.
1: Block Digest is great. I listen to it almost every episode I listen to it. I highly recommend it. Um, it's almost, it's like a, like a more longer, it's a longer format, like more technical yeah. rabbit hole recap almost.
0: Yeah, if you want to get very technical.
1: Yeah, so it's a nice compliment to this show. Um, you know, usually we don't record remotely. We only record locally. But Janine is just such a boss that like we would absolutely, without a doubt, record remotely for her.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's things like well, it's Um that make Janine so cool. Um, so, yeah, we'll be speaking with her uh and yeah we're gonna drop the rodolfo episode on monday i believe so be on the lookout for that just got to give a shout out to rodolfo just for just being an overall incredible human me and him ended up uh after safe's dinner uh uh not arguing an intense conversation with an oil baron about about bitcoin very shilling good lightly shilling lightly and he was a very good credit uh critic this oil baron was and that's uh that's something Bitcoin sh- Bitcoiner should be seeking out is very good critics. This was the first critic I've met in person in a while, where I was like, "Wow, you're making uh, some very good points."
1: He was like very much uh, like the stereotypical like
0: rich Texas oil man, right? Like- yeah. Oh, he had the hype. He had the hype. Uh, hype wife, who was just like standing behind him, being like, "He's so smart. I love him so much." Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It was. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. A lot of respect. I. I shouldn't say a lot of respect the man's name is escaping me right now but an incredible incredible. Uh, it's
1: better not to dox him, better not to dox him. I mean, right now he is um he he's slowly going down the rabbit hole
0: so. Yeah, he's he's been handed the Bitcoin um, standard.
1: He's he's a pre-corner for sure so yeah yeah uh, <laughs> Rodolfo gave him uh Oh no no, was it Rockstar Dev? Rockstar Dev gave him the Bitcoin standard and put his email address inside the cover?
0: I think Brian Lockhart was uh, was a part of the crew that gave him the Bitcoin standard as well. Well, it was
1: Brian's book. Yes. But someone put their email in it and was like, read this book and then email me at the end, which I just thought was like.
0: I think it was Rodolfo that did that.
1: Yeah, yeah, really nice show. Rockstar, we met Rockstar Dev, uh, the Vin Diesel of Bitcoin.
0: A true legend as well
1: Absolute fucking legend We got to celebrate BTC Pay's second second birthday with him We're
0: gonna get Rockstar Dev on this podcast And him and I are gonna get very cosmic He's somebody who loves to get cosmic And I was loving his his energy throughout the weekend A lot of high energy from that man
1: It was just, it was just a good weekend, good people It was great, and Rockstar's
0: awesome Are we in a bubble, Matt?
1: A little bit Yeah? But uh, it's a voluntary bubble And uh, I fucking love it, you know, life's short so surround yourself with good people.
0: I agree. I agree. Um Sats a standard. Blockstream Green. Sats are now a we denomination. Did it, boys.
1: We did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's proliferating, man.
1: So Blockstream Green used to be green address, um, and then Blockstream bought them and changed up the whole UX. Uh, and now it's available on iPhone. It's probably it's, it's, it's definitely my favorite cross-platform mobile wallet. It's de- definitely the best mobile wallet on, on iPhone, and it goes hand-in-hand with, with Samurai Wallet on Android, I would say. Those are the, the two wallets I use on Android. Um, it's a fantastic wallet. They have two of two multi-sig where um, they control one key, you control the other so that they can give you a two-factor authica- authentication ability where like you complete the two factor and then they sign. And it also has this nice time lock feature where if they, cause it is two of two instead of two of three. So if they go out of business or something, it'll automatically revert back to you. Um, the other cool, th- but the only issue I had with green, green wallet was that they had like every denomination for Bitcoin except for sats. And that just, just that just bothered me because Sats should be the standard. So, uh, so big thanks out to them to to finally merge that into into the app. You
0: even had uh, Adam Back, who's uh, a millibit's stronghold, I believe, tweeting out uh, that Sats is now on there and pushing, stacking Sats forward.
1: It's been an incredible eight, nine months of, of seeing Sats slowly
0: become the standard. Gradually and then suddenly. Gradually and then suddenly. Uh, another newsletter you should go check out by Parker Lewis. Um, but... No, I checked. Somebody asked me randomly today, like, when did the hashtag start? And I looked it up. It was October 1st, 2018. So coming up on a year.
1: Correct. It was in the, the midst of the bear market. Yes. That's when all the best memes come out. <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought was, I always thought was really cool about Green Wallet. Well, at least Green Address. I don't know if Green Wallet offers it, um, but I always thought this was like an underappreciated concept that never got traction. Was there, this was, you know... Years before, like when lightning was not even on anyone's mind, you know, no one was even thinking about that. People had the issue of if you were spending Bitcoin um, in person, like you had to wait for a confirmation and confirmations, you know, they average every 10 minutes, but you never know when it'll come. You know, blocks weren't even full yet, but it was like that. that's not an ideal situation. Um, and their their concept was because it is two of 2 multisig. as long as the merchant trusts green wallet not to double spend like the, the green address team then you could spend and that's why they called it green address Was because if you spent from there they knew it was a good address and it was fine it wasn't going to get double spent from and I always thought that was like just a, it was a cool concept just like mixing in like a trust minimized third party that like can't steal your funds but can assure that you don't double spend and then they could have merchant partnerships and stuff
0: why would that not be on the, uh, the block stream grid
1: I mean I just no one ever talks about it and um, it used to be like that was like the plan for the original green address to monetize they were going to have like merchant partnerships Uh. and they were going to share the merchants but no one spends Bitcoin you know so um, so it makes sense that they deprecated it but it's something that could happen in the future I don't even know if it's necessary now that we have lightning probably not Um, I just always thought that was, was I really like when people think of like simple solutions to, to things like that, you know?
0: Yeah, where a third party can come in and be okay.
1: But yeah, it's it's trust minimized. It's still, yeah. they can't take your funds, but they can assure the transaction is not going to be double spent. Yeah. Pretty in
0: cool, pretty interesting cool. Interesting dynamics. Staying on the uh, the vein of Sats, uh, you've been playing with the uh, the Sats app lately.
1: Yeah, so um, Jeremy Welch from Casa, founder of Casa, who's also a good friend of ours. Um, he Shout out Jeremy. He sent us... He sent us some Casa nodes um, so we could test out Sats app because I actually didn't have a Casa node to begin with. Um, and I, I had played with your Casa node back in the day. I have to say whatever they did on like the software, because the hardware is the same, whatever they did on the software side, it is so much more responsive and easy to use than it, than it was before. Like it's, it's like a very usable node that's got great UX, super user friendly, um, their customer support is fantastic if you have any issues. And now they have... So Casa has this multi-sig um, where they offer two of three multi-sig and they offer three of five multi-sig. Um, the three of five multi-sig is really interesting to me because you bring your... You, they actually provide hardware wallets as part of... The, it comes with a subscription fee. It's an $1,800 subscription fee, which is pretty steep for a lot of people. But if you're a big holder and you're going to use a custodian anyway, then it's like a really good option. But then they also have this node... And I think the dream is that eventually the node will verify all the transactions for your multisig, but right now it doesn't. But what they do have is they have this separate app called the Sats app, which you can connect to your node. And that's more of like a hot wallet. It's more of, you can use it for lightning. You can use it for regular Bitcoin transactions, like when you're on the go and it's mobile and it's single key, but everything goes through your own node through Tor um, the connection is super seamless because not only is Tor great for privacy reasons, um, which I, I love that you can run your Lightning Node and Bitcoin Node through Tor using their using their Node. Really easy, just a toggle switch. But Tor is great because routers have all these issues of outbound connections and outbound ports. Um, so it makes it really difficult for like an average user to, to pair their phone with their Node back home securely and privately. Um, but with Tor... You you route around that issue, so you enable Tor on the on the Casa node, and all you have to do is scan a single QR code on your phone, and now your Sats app is pegged, is is connected to your to your to your Casa node back home wherever you are. You could be like around the world, and then you can pay using Lightning using your own node as a complete noob with a beautiful UX like anywhere you go, and like that's fucking
0: badass. So that brings up like a crazy. This is just uh me thinking, I don't even weirdly but adversarily here uh like if you go cross borders, but you have the sat app on your phone and and the border patrol is like are you carrying more than ten thousand dollars and on your SAT app, it looks like you are, but you're controlling it from your home like what is the uh what is the what is the law there like
1: well, i mean it's 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 really in the cloud on you the blockchain yeah right? you just exactly. have the keys to it, but then even if you wanted to go further than that like. The node is, seems like it's more of on, at the node because you're like remotely connected to it. I mean, they could say that about any mobile wallet you have. Um, you'd like, you should turn off your phone when you go through the borders. Ideally, you shouldn't have anything on your phone when you go to the borders, even if it is turned off. Uh, it, the reason I say turn off your phone is because the newer phones, the newer like Samsungs and iPhones and stuff are encrypted, and the encryption's stronger if it's off because like, they don't let you use your fingerprint or your face ID and stuff like that. It's not even initialized. Um, so it's best to go through with your electronics encrypted and completely turned off with as minimal Bitcoin stuff as possible. What's interesting about SatsApp is they are using a username password concept. So you could con- presumably uninstall it and then reinstall it when you get across the border and just sign into your SatsApp account. Um, and they did it all in, in a way that, that they're they're using their own servers as minimally as possible to protect your privacy. The they also have this sats tag to pay people like if you wanted to pay me, you just you just type in Odell and you can pay me, which is like pretty clever. That's like bridging the gap to like the Venmo cash app user experience. You know,
0: yeah, slowly but surely Oh, oh. and
1: they added this heartbeat feature, which I was showing you earlier, which is this seems pretty cool. clever.
0: And it seems something like a dumb user like me needs.
1: Yeah. So like a lot of the issues people have is, you know, they like set up their node and they put it in a utility closet or something out of reach. Um, and then presumably like a couple of weeks down the line or six months down the line, they go to make a payment at a, some store that accepts Bitcoin or they go to pay someone or they go to accept a payment um, through their sats tag and their note is offline and isn't updated and is just they need to go home and do it. They can't do it remotely. So what this heartbeat does is it allows you to privately check. Um, if your node is running and responsive and good to go from the app wherever you are and to encourage that good behavior, they are incentivizing users by giving them sats back if they get on streaks. So like they gamified it. So if you do the heartbeat, it's just like a couple buttons. You just click it, it goes through tour, um, and then they'll give you like, you know, some small amount of sats uh, for, for your streaks, which is, is really clever. It's, they're really they're making it easy as possible for um for the masses to run their own node with a good UX in a plug and play fashion. Also the other thing I just had lunch with Jeremy the other day and I was like I was trying to steal man Casa a bit and um something that's not noted a lot is that you know auto updates are like a big risk factor. Like especially when nodes come come in line, right? Because if you have an attack like Sega two X or something and they try and update your software with um, with, with with a malicious change. Um, what's nice about Casa is everything is a manual pull. You can There's no auto updates for the node. So I thought that was they just. It's just Casa once again showing that the priorities are in the right place. That they're doing the right things.
0: Yeah. No. It's. Uh, I've had many conversations with Jeremy too, and I think they're they're thinking uh, about this sovereign data. Uh, vertical very very smartly Um, trying again that's the whole ethos of is trying to get your personal data and your wealth into your own hands
1: I think right now I'm running five lightning
0: notes (laughs) (laughs) I've got this will be my third
1: so uh, yeah I'm I'm gonna have to clean that up a bit oh the other thing I don't have this on the list but I tried out Breeze Wallet have you tried out Breeze Wallet yet
0: have not there's so much to try out
1: yeah shit is clean as fuck It, it runs a full lightning note on your phone but uh, it's not running a full Bitcoin node. It uses Neutrino filters to pull uh, the Bitcoin data. Um, but it's probably the easiest non-custodial experience on Lightning right now. The setup happens within like two minutes while it syncs Neutrino in the background the first time. Then after that, the sync is like super quick. And what's cool is they open. I don't know how scalable this is, how long they're going to be able to do this. But when you do the, one of the issues... Um, with Lightning, uh, non-custodial Lightning wallets, is you need liquidity, specifically inbound liquidity, which uh, the, the future plan to solve this is, is that you open outbound liquidity and then you loop out so that you have some inbound liquidity. You basically send a transaction to yourself through Lightning back out as an atomic swap to yourself. What they do is a lot simpler. Um, And it's also kind of allowing them to become a very influential lightning node on the network. But they open an inbound liquidity channel to you right away when you open the wallet. So immediately, uh, like immediately upon sinking, which is like two minutes, a Breeze wallet, you can receive lightning payments. That's pretty badass. In a non-custodial fashion. Pretty badass. And the UX is sexy as fuck. It's really sexy UX for a lightning wallet.
0: Who's behind the Breeze team?
1: I think it's an Israeli team. And supposedly, I mean, I was listening to Noted podcast yesterday. Um, another good podcast part of the independent Bitcoin podcast network um, and and Pierre was saying that they're using the Dart programming language which is interesting which is out of Google
0: ah very interesting yeah um, I gotta check out briefs that's one like there's so much stu- and again that's what makes me very optimistic about the future there's so much to try right now and
1: that's spelled breeze without an e at the end yeah so b-r-e-e-z no and
0: that was uh the, like it's going back to bitblock boom there was a very cool multi-sig uh wallet there hexa
1: hexa wallet
0: hexa wallet uh this team i think they've been in stealth mode for a while they're just going on the I they're think was, out of london i think yeah they're out of london this was their first um conference they went to but i, I got the demo from Anant, um one of their founders and it Seems pretty full for Earth, and then like I made you go get the demo and like run them through the gauntlet just so.
1: It was funny because he's been in my DMs since I launched Final Message, right? Because one of the ideas here with the Hexa Wallet is it is a full. um, They actually it's they have both multi sig in the wallet, but the 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 beauty of their implementation is they use Shamir's secret sharing as a backup system in case of situations where something happens to you or happens to your devices.
0: Yeah. And you have to split your backup pretty, pretty aggressively.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they allow you to split it easily with like contacts. You can, you know, write down part of it or whatever. And, and then there's a threshold. So like a certain amount of them need to come forward to allow you to recover your funds so that it would require. And like they have like common sense defaults to prevent you from getting in situations where like your friends can collude against you. And they thought of a lot of that stuff. So, so there's a lot of um, overlap there with something like find a message. So I've actually been talking to him through DMs for the longest time. And there was a DM from him that he was like, I'll see you tomorrow at the conference. And I would have been like, I was like waiting for him to like come up to me because I have no idea what he looks like. You know, I know he knows what I look like. Um, and I it completely, I didn't realize that they were a sponsor and they had a table uh, like there, so when you told me that I was like, "Oh, fuck, and I went outside and I, and I talked to him it's a, so the wall, that wallet's not out yet No, um, not yet. and i haven 't like I, he played with he like walked me through his test version on his phone, but um, they should have a test version out pretty soon he 's going to send us the link as soon as he has it, so then I, I will be able to walk through it myself, and, and we 'll be talking about it more um, uh, on f- future episodes the other The other thing is some people were giving We're giving Gary shit about uh, like he released. I'm really glad he released Gary Leland of Bitblock Boom. I'm really glad he released um, Bitstein's talk for free, considering all the drama. But the you know he kept the ticket prices really low, and the reason people were like annoyed that he was charging $99 for the stream for everyone else for all the other talks, and you know he did it in a really small venue. He sold it out. It's, it's very hard to run uh, one of these small conferences while keeping your ethics and your morals. Um, and, and that's why the $99 for the video is a very easy way for him to, I think, at a relatively reasonable price for him to um, get more money because it, you, he doesn't have to get a bigger space. You can be around the world. You don't have to travel there. You can just get it. And he is releasing the full set in, in two months for free. Um, and w- the reason I thought about that is because Hexa was, like, one of three sponsors. Yeah. They had, like, no sponsors. They were all reasonable companies. Quin Solo was the, one of the other ones. Shout out Quin Solo! Thank you for the gear. I have my notebook here. He made us these, like, customized notebooks. I, mean, I might post a picture on Twitter of this. It is so fucking cool, these, like, leather-bound notebooks. And he even thought far enough ahead to... He saw he gave us extra notepads so that yeah. we can, like, put in the notepads in the cover... What a boss. And we met his wife. Great people.
0: Quinsolo, a very good brand. Go check out. Uh, we'll put the, the link in the
1: notes well. dot com
0: Dot com. Um, and, no, I actually, uh, Quinsolo got me stopped at, uh, at security. Because they thought I had a flask full, full, of, uh, full of alcohol.
1: Oh, yeah, he gave us customized flasks. Yeah. Leather-bound flasks with the TFTC logo and our names on it. Fucking badass.
0: Shout out, Quinsolo. Quinsolo. No, again, it was like, and bring it back to like Bitblock Boom and people giving Gary shit. Yeah, this is a man who's trying to run an ethical concert. Concert. Why do I keep saying concert? An ethical conference. You got to do a concert next <laughs> year. <laughs> we'll all be singing next year. Um, and I think he did a really good job. Like, he curated great speakers. And again, it was the vibe. Like, as much vitriol as you're seeing on Twitter from people who weren't there, if you were there, like, it was all high vibes. Like, people just... Nothing crazy. Just people just happy to be talking about Bitcoin with each other.
1: Yeah, the, but that just got me thinking. Yeah, when I when I went down to Bitblock Boom, I'm like really OCD when I travel. Like people like Crypto Brecky and shit is wearing like an open dime and like Bitcoin shirts and stuff. I look like the average fucking person. I have like the minimum amount of Bitcoin stuff in my bag. And then on the way home, I'm like sweating and going through TSA because I just got like shit tons of swag in the bag. You know,
0: swag in the bag.
1: No, I do. Yeah for somebody you, you gotta get I, pre-check i, I got pre-check so i just i didn't even have to take off
0: my shoes i do need to get pre-check i've been flying a lot more recently and i think uh i gotta start signing up for airline miles and and, and just bite the bullet with pre-check do it uh dude we're almost an hour in already we got so much to go it's gonna be like an hour and a half rip
1: uh the next thing i want to touch on just real quick because we touched on it last time uh li- last week we told you to watch the episode with stefan Levera. Uh, why hardware wallets suck with michael flaxman who we also met last week um if you haven't seen it have if you haven't listened to it listen to it um the big takeaway you know i no matter what when we do podcasts the second we stop recording i'm like should have fucking said that didn't say that literally every time the thing i should have said was the key takeaway here is that every single hardware wallet has trade-offs you need to be aware of the trade-offs but the best way to minimize those trade-offs is to combine it with other hardware in a multi-sig because then both of the hardware, you know, they both have to be compromised. It's mu- it, it makes it much, much harder for, for you to get attacked.
0: Yes. Uh, Michael Flaxman, incredibly smart. Like, I was talking to him about, like, unique uh, multi-sig uh, schemes that you could set up and he's just thought about this stuff uh, from a different angle than anybody I've, I've encountered at this point.
1: And don't get frustrated. We know multi-sig is very difficult to set up right now. It will get easier. Everything gets easier quicker than you think it's going to get. Um, just be aware of these things. Yes, be
0: aware. Another thing you should be aware of is what I wrote about in the bent this morning, which is the uh, the Erebus attack that was discovered, or I don't know if it was discovered a couple of weeks ago, but it was announced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a couple of researchers from, I believe, the University of South Korea, uh, um. University of Singapore, or a couple of researchers from Korea, Singapore, and Japan. I don't know exactly what schools they're associated with, but they uh, made the world aware of this Arabus attack. That can basically, if you are a large internet service provider, an ISP, uh, you have the ability to sort of recognize Bitcoin nodes that are running on your network, and if you are large enough, you can target particular nodes and try to partition them from the network, and you do this slowly. Over the course of weeks, by uh, forcing a reboot of the node, the ISP would force a reboot of a node that they're targeting, and then that node would have to make more outgoing connections. And the ISP is hoping that they're making outgoing connections with their malicious nodes. And then, after a certain period of time, if they get all eight outgoing connections connected with their malicious nodes, they begin they can begin doing double spend and uh, fifty one percent attacks, hypothetically. Uh, and yeah, so this is just something to be aware of, the risks that exist with huge ISPs. Many people may not know it, but a lot of Bitcoin nodes are run in the cloud. There's only about 10,000 full, um, full nodes that are, that are listening. Um, and this is just another example of sort of a niche uh, uh, part of Bitcoin, particularly the peer-to-peer layer that you have to be aware of, and this is a vector that I could certainly see a nation state trying to take advantage of in the long run.
1: So my understanding here is um, there's a couple things. So, so pretty much all cryptocurrencies are vulnerable to this type of thing. It's just the nature of the internet. Um, the, there, there's multiple precautions here that are important um, that, that Bitcoin has already prioritized, which is first of all, to keep node costs cheap so we have as many nodes as possible. Um, run a node today, guys, you know, either install the power node launcher, uh, wait, did I just pronounce it right? Power node launcher Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, buy a Casa, buy a Noddle, um, run a node. Uh, the other thing is keep Bitcoin bandwidth, uh, requirements low so that you can run your node through Tor, right? I think Tor makes it a lot more difficult to do this attack, if not impossible. would be my understanding. Um, the other so any types of side channel capabilities that we have where you can you can broadcast and fetch blocks outside of your traditional ISP gives you redundancy. So if the ISP is playing games, then you can connect to nodes and broadcast transactions and stuff like that through other means. Um, stuff like mesh stuff uh, mesh for sending, mesh nets for sending, and like the blockstream satellite for receiving.
0: Yes, and I actually had a very good conversation with Gleb. Nalmenko, who's actually working on both these problems, both bandwidth and uh, this uh, Erebus attack. And he's actually to quell any fears out there as we're talking about this Erebus attack. uh, There are solutions being worked on and there are ways to prevent the attack in the future. Um, We're just lucky that somebody was able to highlight the attack and point it out so we can architect ways to prevent it in the future. And there's two main ways that Gleb described to me. Uh, The first is you basically make it so uh, any nodes outgoing connections can only uh, can only connect with certain IPs which are uh, associated with certain ISPs so you so you create a threshold by which like hey you can only get two two connecting nodes from this ISP two from that and sort of diversify your risk in that way and the other solution is to increase the amount of outgoing connections that you have because the probability that a malicious actor will be able to uh, get all the uh, outgoing connections, say if it was sixteen instead of eight is severely reduced.
1: And the um, what is it, Utrexo? Is that the one that I'm thinking of that well what's the one there's a new proposal that reduces the bandwidth requirements if you have uh large like it it doesn't scale linearly if you add Erle. Erle. outgoing? Early the Early yes. proposal. Yeah so Gleb's work that on Earlay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, no yeah and that's actually so we talked about Earlay and then he's actually while they're waiting to get the official propos- or BIP for early launched, he's just working on this Erebus attack for shits and gigs. Not for shits and gigs, but he's just working on another area. And, yeah, he seems pretty confident that, that there will be a solution to this problem uh, pretty quickly. And the beauty about P2P changes uh, changes to Bitcoin at the peer-to-peer layer is that you don't need a soft fork or a hard fork. You can make them. They're not consensus-compatible rules, so there's not really a lot of uh, pushback and getting this implemented and it can just be adopted by nodes one at a time over time.
1: Yeah, Utrixo is that hash-based uh, accumulator. Oh, Utxo. Yeah, oh, sorry. Utxo. I read more than I speak. <laughs> I don't know how I have a podcast. Um, but yeah, I like this would be right now if there, someone was to do this on the Bitcoin network, it'd be, it be seems like it'd be a pretty aggressive attack as it is. Um, yeah. I, I think like this is why it's really important that you can run a node at home uh, because the I think a like any of these cloud providers could do similar types of attacks, obviously. Um and, and there's only a few big ones. So like if most of your nodes are running on like AWS and Azure and shit, like that's gonna be uh it's gonna make you a lot more vulnerable just yeah. in general. Yeah.
0: Um Yeah, so be aware of that. And no it's just another example of the uh, vigilance that one needs to have when interacting with Bitcoin. It's such a critical system and it can be attacked from so many different areas uh, that we just have to be hyper-vigilant. That's um, a great example of a team spotting something saying, hey, this could be a problem in the long run and hopefully quickly patching it and just move on to the next one. But in the long run, this makes Bitcoin stronger. So this is an overall net positive, I would say.
1: Bitcoin Optech just released their BEC32 plus RBF replaced by fee compatibility matrix.
0: Yeah, it's a sweet matrix.
1: It uh, basically just tells you which services support them.
0: Yeah, it's like a checklist of uh, whether or not they're BEC32 compatible, Segway compatible, um, RBF compatible. Um,
1: and I think they're going to add more things to the matrix. Yes. Yeah, so and more services.
0: So if you want to go see if your local Bitcoin service provider is uh, transacting on the network as efficiently as possible... Uh, the link to this matrix will be in the show notes. Uh,
1: Matt Corralo got hired by Square Crypto. First hire after Steve Lee.
0: Huge shout out to Matt. We, uh, I owe a debt of gratitude to Matt Corralo. He's one of the first guests on this podcast. He's uh, one of one of an individual has helped me come to understand Bitcoin uh, a lot better than I would have had have not met him. And I couldn't be more pumped for him. And he's an incredible example of somebody... Uh, who's just down for the cause to make Bitcoin better. Like he started out a block stream, found a block stream, then he moved the chain code. He's got his stuff done at chain code down. Now he's going to start a legacy at Square Crypto. Um, so couldn't be happier for Matt or Square Crypto because uh, I think Square Crypto has got a great asset. And if you want somebody to uh, sort of be the, the stalwart of a dev team working on Bitcoin, I think Matt's a perfect candidate.
1: So now we have um, four major groups that are working on funding core developers. Um, we have Blockstream, Chaincode, uh, MIT Media Lab, and now Square Crypto. Yeah. Um, so that's badass, the more the merrier. No, and I think, um,
0: I don't want to like, shout out to Blockstream, Chaincode, and MIT for paving the way and showing how you can do a, uh, a funded model for core developers. But I think Square Crypto in particular, as they start building out this team, just the signaling of a huge public company doing this is so massive. I hope and I do think that it will lead to sort of like a, a, a flow of resources towards Bitcoin core development in particular.
1: I mean, Matt's a badass. We love Matt. He's done so much. I'm so thankful to him. Um, so fucking smart. Um, and uh, they, they hired Steve Lee as the head of the whole the whole thing, the whole operations. He's the fucking boss. He's a great dude. Um, they have miles Suter there. Who's a good friend of ours. Who's just, they're also a sponsor of the pod while yeah. I do all this shield yeah. fest, but we love them before that. The one thing I want to note here is that, um, it's not like, so, so yes, Matt was, Matt was with chain code, but they're not, I think I'm rumor is, is that he's the only developer that they're pulling from somewhere that has already, he's already getting paid. Everyone else is going to be people who aren't currently getting funding for their core development work. They're just doing it on a voluntary basis. So it is, it is going to be a massive net benefit here and they are a publicly traded company, which is pretty huge.
0: Yeah. No, I just think from again, social signaling to other, like again, you had to give it to square too for sticking their necks out and taking this risk. Like, Hey, yeah, we're going to, hitch our wagon to bitcoin in some capacity at least for the foreseeable future and that just causes other companies in their vertical competing with them to be like what the fuck how are we not doing this
1: supposedly the whole idea was just like like jack was like at a hack day shout out to jack for accepting the lightning torch for me at the bottom of the bear market shout out jack
0: i know you're listening
1: um supposedly they were they were doing like a, a square hack day or whatever and jack's like What's like the most important thing we could do for Bitcoin? And they were like, we're, we're going to start
0: funding developers. Well, it's, they're putting their money where their mouth is, it seems. So, again, shout out to Matt Corallo, uh and, and Square Crypto. I think uh, uh, great things are going to come from that. Um, and Yeah.
1: This one's really cool. Uh, did you did you by any chance see the the Hong Kong article I posted from Quillette? How do you pronounce it? Quillette? Quillette. Quillette. I have not seen it now. It's about how the Hong Kong protests have been so... We're going to drop the link in the show notes. But the Hong Kong protests have been more successful than a lot of other protests because they're embracing uh, a distributed nature. Everything about it is distributed. There's no major leader or talking head. Um, There's more like sub-leaders that as they get arrested, like new leaders can come up. They have like a Reddit-like forum where they're they're like planning different protests and different operations um instead of staying in like one place they actually like fall back and retreat and live to protest another day instead of getting arrested um i think what bruce lee said be water and they're like that's what they're trying to embrace um we see with the live streams with the videos they're getting they're getting stuff out there that gets media coverage Um, Specifically so they have like a lot of different people that are talented in different ways all contributing Uh, even stuff like supply funds and stuff like that and that's this is like This is like what Bitcoin is all about what you know, this whole this whole concept is about is about being resistant to centralized actors through distribution, right? and um, I mean I it got me thinking I started thinking about like you could even take it to like the next level and like future protests like their their donations and their funds that they can receive from around the world can be held in multi sig addresses. You can arrest like ten of the guys, but if it's a if it's a twelve of twenty multisig, you know, you still can't take the funds.
0: Uh, no, you'd be able to take the funds if it was ten of twenty multisig. If it was like a t- if
1: it was a twelve <laughs> of twenty. If it was a twelve of twenty, but then but no, then you couldn't. It, spend if it was the an funds. eight
0: of twenty. If it was an eight of twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I know I get what you're saying I'm you sorry. get what I'm saying I'm right? sorry for ranting on your I don't there.
1: know if I fucked that up but either way either way like multi-sig could be really interesting in those types of situations Bitcoin in general I mean I'm not implying that they're using Bitcoin I don't think they are no but but it is it is pretty powerful to see it actually play out um, in a real world situation where lives are on the line and high stakes
0: yeah no it's crazy and again sorry for being a dickhead there.
1: Yeah. no worries that's what we do on this podcast <laughs>
0: No, it and it, it, it has been incredible like and how it's evolved. like they moved from telegram to we were talking about a few episodes like facebook airdropping uh they they adapted the lasers where they were trying to to make it so they uh their face is going to be recognized and they were using cash at gas sta- or excuse me at the train stations and yeah it's a very very innovative protest and like you said, Bitcoin just makes more and more sense. And we're not saying that we're using, they're using Bitcoin in any fashion now, but it it, it could empower stuff like this to an even greater degree. Uh, if, if used appropriately, um, we still got a lot to go here. It's staying on protests. Like the, the yellow S protests, not, not very well, uh, covered in the mainstream, but it's still going on 40th straight week.
1: Yeah. We've been ha We have, we've had some tweeters, uh, poke us about that so i wanted to make sure that we talked about it a little bit 40 weeks man yellow vests against anti-macron nine months yeah um it really doesn't get that much media coverage no it really doesn't um well i just wanted to shout out to them and just keep fighting the good fight yeah I don't really know anything about it because it doesn't get that much media coverage.
0: I've seen – they've been, like, still uh, – it's, like, an aggressive protest still. The, the, the few videos that I've seen recently, it's, it's a confrontation between the protests and the police.
1: I guess when I say media coverage, I mean, I don't really see much of it on Twitter. I don't watch, like – I don't know. I I imagine, like, CNN and stuff isn't reporting it, but who knows?
0: I don't know either. I didn't even, Yeah. Did you catch CNN in the airport this weekend at all? I missed it. Nope. Yeah. Um, I got to
1: get that ratings boost by just having to play on empty screens all the time.
0: What do uh, what do we think about the new Satoshi? Do we like his numerology?
1: So this was another thing that it got brought up during our live pod, and I when I finished recording the pod, I was like, "Fuck, should have said that." Um, you know, the key here is that if someone wants to claim to be Satoshi, they could trivially, triv- trivially, at least prove some credibility to the fact that they're Satoshi by either signing a message with private keys from one of the early coins or moving those coins. Um, this is one of the beauties of Bitcoin is that through the internet anonymously you can trustlessly or at least trust minimize prove that these funds are yours, that you control these funds, that you're the person that has these keys. Um, Craig has never fucking done that. And this guy hasn't done it. Instead, he hires a PR agency and does all this bullshit. So you could just know that whoever he, she, they is that is Satoshi, they absolutely know that if they actually want to flex and tell people for some reason, that's how they're going to do it. The first thing they'll do is 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 no bullshit. Here's early keys. And, and obviously that's not still proof depending on how early the keys are or whatnot. Maybe the keys got stolen, stuff like that. But that should be the first fucking step. It's like a huge red flag if you don't see that. So you can just safely ignore this this scam artist.
0: No, and I think it's important for us to point out a little bit of Bitcoin history. Like, uh, I believe one of Satoshi's emails got deprecated. Like, he forgot to to renew it and somebody got a hold of it. And I believe in like 2015, 2016, somebody sent an email purporting to be from Satoshi's email.
1: But wasn't that kind of friendly? Because he was like, I am not Dorian. Yes. It was <laughs> but still, but still, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, That's just an email address. Yeah,
0: Greg Maxwell actually has a great post. I don't know if it's on the Bitcoin mailing list or on Reddit, but he basically explains like we'll never truly be able to believe that anybody who claims to be Satoshi is Satoshi, unless it's uh, a signed message. And then even at that that point, you would still have plausible like plausible reason to to believe that they could have acquired that in a different way. So
1: uh, yeah, I mean the the way I feel about it is. If you're not signing early keys, you're not moving funds, early funds, you just go fuck yourself. And then if someone does that, then, you know, we can address it That,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one wasn't even... I think... Satoshi- this one wasn't even interesting. Yeah, I
1: this- think he, she, they is smart enough that they have plenty of other fucking coins besides the ones that are like the so-called a million known Satoshi coins, which we don't even know if necessarily Satoshi has those. That's just analysis of the blockchain. Um, that and as obviously a smart enough individual to know that it's a net benefit for them to for those coins to just never move. Yes,
0: I uh, I agree with that sentiment and that statement.
1: And why would Satoshi stay anonymous this long and then want to? Yeah, expose why themselves? give it up now? It's like fucking killing the opsec game, or she <laughs> or they or whatever. Yeah. Hopefully, Satoshi's a listener. If you are, thank you for your service.
0: Yeah, shout out to you. Built something pretty cool. We're here talking about it all the time. Did you? Did you? Did you know this was going to happen, Satoshi? <laughs> um, yeah, that's all we got for this week. We, we
1: have a couple other things. Do oh, we? I want? Oh, just we have one more thing. I just wanted to wish Lolly a happy birthday. It's been one year. Oh, happy birthday and, to Lolly. Um, I'll be celebrating with them today um, at the new. They're having parties around the country, open bar uh, to give back to the community, and I think it's an open bar. I hope it's an open bar. Anyway. I'm going there today, so hopefully I'll see a bunch of you there. Um, I really do uh, think that Lolly is basically like weaponizing our debt-based society to like, leverage consumer spending into pumping the Bitcoin price. And also, in a friendlier note, it's just a great way to onboard new people to Bitcoin who just want to save a little money when they're purchasing regular things, um, and they get, they get to save it in sats. Hopefully we get sats on Lolly, um, since it is the standard soon
0: boss Sats is the standard uh that's all we got in topics this week if you freaks are liking this uh any any smash that subscribe button on any platform whether it be your local podcasting platform youtube twitter uh it goes a long way and you can subscribe on our website too put your put your email in there and i'll dump you on the newsletter list um we're trying to blow this thing up we were talking about matt's hands in the beginning of the episode we got more videos coming
1: yeah, manicures cost money, guys. So tftc.io/slash/contribute. <laughs> um, you know, we know. I know we run ads. Some of you think like that's a conflict a little bit. Uh, we love our ad partners, uh, and and we, we you know right now everyone should be stacking as many sets as possible. So like, we don't take it personally if you don't donate, but we absolutely appreciate those who do. Um, and uh, yeah, we love you
0: guys. Yeah. Yeah, no pressure to donate at all. It's there. This does this stuff does cost money and has a. Uh, I've been. Uh, it's a labor of love for me, so I don't mind fronting the cost. Yeah, at it all.
1: costs money and time, but we love doing it, yeah. and because uh, bitcoiners are fucking awesome. Uh, the other thing is the reviews actually do make a big difference. The podcast reviews. I never realized that, but they do.
0: Yeah, they do. So if you if you haven't left a review yet and you feel so inclined, uh, to do so, please do that as well. What because they. Reviews have to deal with like your visibility on iTunes, particularly. Yeah,
1: how it pops up when you like, search Bitcoin and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, it's a big deal. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. And we
0: didn't add Bitcoin to uh, the title of our podcast on iTunes until like three months ago.
1: I like, I had to pester you about doing that for a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all we got this week, freaks.
1: Stay humble, stack sets.
0: Peace and love.